Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann, and we're so excited to have another installment of Favorites with Friends. These are some of Yay. our favorite episodes to do. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. These are these are a lot of fun. Uh, these are episodes that are a little bit more personal. Where we're able to talk. Uh, we feature a guest, and we're able to talk about their personal experiences uh, with games and music. And today, we are very excited to have our friend Ivan Caproth Jocelyn joining us. So, Ivan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on the podcast. This is a pleasure. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're very excited taking a look at the, the playlist that you brought in. Some, some absolute classics today. So before we get into it, Ivan, can you talk a little bit about maybe your history with video games? Like when did you first start playing and what were some of the first systems you had? So I grew up on the NES. I fell in love with a lot of that music, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of bad music on the NES too, but uh, <laughs> a lot of classics for sure. Yeah, uh, It wasn't really until maybe four or five years ago that I started to get into video game music for its own sake. I discovered an oh. app called NES Music. It's now SNES Music, where you could download tracks. Sure. And I went from there. I've been enjoying video game music and discovering new music ever since. That's awesome. Well, yeah, as, as we look at your playlist here, it looks like we start off with it with a pretty significant block of NES jams. So, you know, without further ado, let's just get into this this playlist here. Uh, what you guys heard playing in was from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That was the training theme, uh, and that corresponds with that kind of 80s montage. This was com- composed actually by Kenji Yamamoto, which still blows my mind because it, it really doesn't sound like anything else that Yamamoto would have composed, uh, you know, later on in his career. I think part of it is just the title that he this is one of the first things he he ever worked on so yeah why don't we talk about this for a little bit so so why did you bring in this track can you talk about your experiences with this game so this was one of the games that i had growing up and i chose it as an example of what i felt to be particularly effective video game music music that really put you in the atmosphere Mm. the spirit the character of a game and just uh really made you feel pumped up ready to go fight you know even though you were sitting on your backside in the living room or something yeah it's uh, just classic as you said 80s montage music which was my childhood absolutely and what i think is so uh fantastic about a piece like this is it's honestly one of the few tracks from a nintendo composer that has that kind of honestly um just sort of i don't want to say cliche but very timeless um, kind of stock sound of NES rock, which a right. lot of the Capcom and Konami and Sunsoft titles are so known for. A lot of Nintendo music tends to have a different atmosphere. And what I love about this track by Kenji Yamamoto is you could almost imagine this being in, you know, a Ninja Gaiden game or in a Mega Man or, you know, some other sort of Konami title. Um, and I just think it's interesting. Also, the Punch-Out! soundtrack is very fascinating, just sort of its origins, because the arcade version was uh, really like one of the first projects Koji Kondo ever worked on. And then we discovered somewhat recently that that sort of uh, infamous main theme, bum, 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 ba-da-dun-dun-dun, yeah. is actually an arrangement 
of an old uh, like theme song jingle from a Gillette commercial in That's the so 50s crazy. that became uh, popularized again with the movie Raging Bull. So the music <laughs> to punch out has a, a very eclectic, you know, eccentric variety of influences and different composers. And it's just kind of fascinating to me. I like to think that somewhere in, in one of his mansions that right now Mike Tyson is still playing this game on his NES. I like I like to imagine that. So, That's all right, let's let's move on. We're going to move on to another NES game. This is the original Ninja Turtles game for the NES, TMNT, which came out in 1989. And Ivan brought in the title screen, which is such a classic rocker. This this uh, game was composed by Jun Funahashi. Let's take a listen to the title screen from TMNT. You guys are listening to the title screen from TMNT for the NES, composed by Jun Funahashi. Such a classic Konami sound here. Um, very shredding, very rocking. Uh, the use of the wide vibrato is pretty classic for Konami. Also, the drum samples here I think are reused in a lot of other Konami titles. So yeah, this is this is absolutely classic stuff. So yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about your experience with this game and what this piece of music, uh, you know, how how you reacted to this maybe the first time you heard it. The way I reacted the first time I heard it was just absolute thrill. Uh, <laughs> specifically, this was the first game I ever played. I was begging oh, wow. my parents. Yeah, I found out that they had made a Turtles game. I was a big Turtles fan. Found out that they had made a mm. Turtles game for the Nintendo. Begged to have it for Christmas. <laughs> so that Christmas, I got the Nintendo, got the Turtles game, threw aside Mario because I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> you know, put the Turtles game in. Heard this music start up. Oh my God! It's one the of the happiest moments in my childhood. Absolutely. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and just everything about it. You know, the visuals at the beginning, and and just the mm-hmm. way this game starts. Oh, it just gets you so excited. That that's really cool to hear that this, this was your first game. This is definitely a quality uh, first piece of VGM to kind of get you amped. You know. It, that's interesting to hear. Like, what if what if your first game was some some terrible piece of video game music, and, and you know, <laughs> this really kind yeah. of set you on a different course? Adventures of Rad Gravity. Oh my God! No, what is this? <laughs> I think I'm gonna play video games with it muted from now on, and then you'll well, I, never I gotta appreciate say- it. The the whole soundtrack to this first Turtles game on the NES, it's probably, I would have to say it's my favorite soundtrack of any 
Ninja Turtles title, whether um, really? any of the ones for the mm. arcade. I like it better than Turtles in Time. I oh, just wow. think it's so classic in my mind, and it's really one of the only things I like about the game. I have some fond memories of playing this as a kid, and it's really hard, and I don't think it's yeah. a particularly great game, but the music is so good. Every single stage, there are so many memorable... The one that's always kind of burned into my mind is... I just love the kind of like bluesy kind of poppy fun of it. It gives me the same vibe that the old Ninja Turtles cartoon show gave me, even though it's a different style of music, just the music itself kind of has that same lighthearted emotional quality to it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. And I do think that Funahashi kind of established a very uh, specific tone that a lot of the series would continue to follow. Uh, For me personally, I I feel like both the game and the soundtrack really kind of come together for Turtles in Time. That's probably, that would probably be my personal favorite Turtles game. But um, but yeah, this is definitely starting off on a strong foot, especially in the music. Okay, let's move on to another NES classic. This is Ninja Gaiden. So did you get this game around the same time as TMNT or was this a little bit later? This was a little bit later for me. I honestly don't remember when I got it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, w- it was definitely one that I gravitated to. It was uh, re- one of the reasons I chose this was it was an example of no matter how frustrating, how difficult mm-hmm. a game was, I came back to it anyway simply because I loved the music. That is absolutely true. And I came to love the game as well. All right, so we're going to play Act 1, which is also known as Pushing Onward. And this game was composed by Kaichi Yamagishi as well as Ryuichi Nita. Let's take a listen to Pushing Onward from Ninja Gaiden. guys listening to Pushing Onward from Ninja Gaiden and again this is composed by Yamagishi and Nida for the NES and uh, this is just such really high quality rocking NES music. Couple things that I always note about this is this for me holds uh, the title of having the best sounding NES drums I've ever heard. I just the samples of Ninja Gaiden are so classic. I know they're really they're really commonly used for for chip tunes these days. They're kind of one of the gold standard, but yeah. You can't get better than this for for that DPCM channel. I think this is a really, it's almost like a, like a classically rocking piece of music that has like really specific harmony and counterpoint. And Will was noticing something interesting about uh, the number of channels that are that are used in this track. 
Well, I mean, it, you have the three pitch channels being used, but um, really there's only ever, for the most part, two voices occurring. Right. Because both the squares are not using, um, they're not being used simultaneously for that delay effect, but rather um, it's the same notes playing at the same time, but they're slightly detuned from one another. One thing that you're able to do with the NES was have fine pitch control. Yeah. Uh, so they would make one of those channels, one of those pulses, a little bit more sharp or a little bit more flat than the other, and it mm -hmm. gives it this kind of really interesting sound of almost like a chorus on an electric guitar, like some sort of pedal as it's coming through the amp, and it just gives it a little bit more of a raw and rugged sound, which I don't know, to me, the timbre of those instruments is so much a part of my almost sense memory of the first stage of this game. Like, right. it, it, you can't be separated from those actual notes. And that drum sound that you mentioned, Carl, I mean, it's just like all of the choices... Um, I, I don't really want to call them production choices because, you know, <laughs> there, there were such limitations back then. But really, yeah, all of those aesthetic decisions that these composers made are as important as the music itself. And I think that's kind of amazing when you think about, you know, when this occurred. Right. So, Ivan, for you personally, back when you were playing this game and when you come back and listen to it now, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the implementation stuff. But just musically speaking, uh, what, what is this track like? How, how does this track speak to you now? What I noticed most about this track was, as you were saying, the you've only got really the two uh, channels going on at once, and they, they're going in and out, the treble and the bass kind of syncing mm -hmm. off one another. They're never really, except I think at the end of the loop, they're never really in sync. They're, you know, yeah. one plays and the other plays, you don't feel settled, which is perfect for this game. It's just, you know, busy, quick reactions, you know things flying at you all the time so it, it really complemented the game well for me absolutely yeah that's that's a great point and a great pick there uh okay so this this is we're gonna go to a really obscure piece of music called dr what is this dr willie or dr i think wiley from a game will have you ever heard of this game mega man 2 mega <laughs> man 2 huh i never even played the first mega man sounds sounds uh, probably not not the best game in the world <laughs> this is a uh, takashi tateshi score um Okay, so you could have picked any track from Mega Man 2. Uh, why, why did you pick Dr. Wily? I picked Dr. Wily because this is, bar none, my favorite piece of video game music. Just perfectly sets the tone for going into Wily's castle, amps you up. I just, words fail me. I just love this track so much. <laughs> Very odd opinion you have. I think you're the only person who has it. <laughs> All right, let's take uh, a yeah. listen to... A classic among classics. This is Dr. Wily Stage One. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Dr. Wiley Stage 1, obviously, from Mega Man 2, composed by the wonderful Takashi Tateshi. So, all right, let's talk, Ivan, a little bit about uh, your experience, maybe first hearing this when you played this game. This was one of the first pieces of video game music that I can remember just really being struck by. You know, I'd enjoyed other pieces before, of course, you know, the Turtles and Ninja Gaiden and whatnot. But this one was, I have a clear memory as a child of stopping for a minute and thinking, oh my God, the music is really good here. Yeah. This is fantastic. Uh, I had to pick it. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's an absolute classic. And I might have to agree with you. I mean, it it's just got to be, you know, like the best piece on the NES. I mean, it's so quintessential. When I think about video game music, this might be the first thing that pops into my head. When, right. when I think of game music as a sound, as like a genre in and of itself, I think this is the pinnacle of that style, that kind of, you know, very rocking, very driving, often melody harmonized in thirds, sometimes fourths and fifths, um, but very very simple on the surface but with with melodies that are more like vocal melodies they're song-like and they're really catchy and memorable you know that even though that you can almost imagine and you know we've been fortunate over the years to hear many versions of this piece covered with you know various guitars and things um, but there is something almost more vocal about the way that all of Takashi Tateshi's music works in Mega Man, and I think that's why it's so catchy and memorable. Well, yeah, especially after that intro section, it definitely feels like it's moving on to a vocalist. But every single musical aspect of this is, is like Will was saying, just like kind of sets the stage for what that classic video game sound is. The chord progression, uh, having having this rocking track in a minor key with that bass gallop, the din 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 Like every single element of this uh, is just absolute textbook classic video game music. And you know what's so wild is I've listened to this thousands of times and it never fails to get me excited and it always gives me that same emotion and I just can never imagine tiring of this piece of music. And I think that's a testament to just how wonderful well, it is. Carl, wouldn't you also say it's kind of singular in games to have your best track in your most quintessential piece of music mm-hmm. as the final stage theme? You yeah, know, it's very it's, rare. It's really interesting. Like, I would argue that that's it's more often the first stage. <laughs> right. Like, when I think of even, like, something like Shovel Knight that's trying to do this great, you know, send-up of classic games and stuff it's best track it's you know equivalent of dr wiley stage one is the opening strike the earth but -hmm. that's what's so amazing about mega man 2 is it has such a flawless and impeccable soundtrack every single stage is just perfect but then you get to dr wiley and in most games this is where you do a piece that's a little bit more maybe dissonant or really tense meant to scare you or, or amp up the emotions but here we get like the catchiest melody the the most energetic in you know high energy rocker it, it's yeah it's it's just kind of inspiring to think <laughs> what a masterpiece Mega Man 2 is well this is interesting we're going right from Mega Man 2 to Mega Man 3 in the playlist and Ivan brought in Magnet Man now I don't believe we've ever played this on the podcast before does that does that sound right to you Will Gosh, it's hard to say. I mean, we had our Mega Man episode. It was like episode four or something. So we definitely could go back to some of those earlier titles and uh, shine a closer light on them. So, Ivan, why did you bring in Magnet Man today? Well, Mega Man music in general is 
probably my favorite series. And we get very weird opinions today, but we'll, we'll yeah, accept them. <laughs> I know. I apologize for inflicting this on you. <laughs> but the Magnet Man stage, I, I picked because it's one of the ones that I find myself humming or thinking about more than the others, however m- much I may enjoy them. Just the counterplay between the melody and the bass. You know, I, I, I just love the upbeat, light feel of the music. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take a listen to Magnet Man from Mega Man 3, composed by Bun Bun. listening to Magnet Man from Mega Man 3, composed by Yasuaki Vegeta, also known as Bun Bun. And I'm really glad that you brought this in, because this is so interesting to listen to right after Mega Man 2. I think there's a lot of elements about this that are really carrying the torch of Mega Man 1 and 2, and then there are other elements that are totally going off in a new direction. I first want to talk about some of the things that feel classic Mega Man. Uh, The implementation, the instrument switching, the rhythms, it still has that bass gallop, same rhythm from Dr. Wily, actually. And there's a lot of rocking syncopated rhythms, dun 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 dun, dun which really feel like kind of like a bun bun uh, thing. Right, and so that's totally. really cool. <laughs> but uh, chord wise and harmonically, it could not be more different. Right. There's also some implementation things that uh, really, I think, in terms of this series, started with Mega Man 3. Yeah. One thing um, is both Manami Matsumai and Takashi Tateishi. I think they had brilliant implementation, and I think each Mega Man game maybe gets a little bit more advanced with what they were figuring out how to do with the hardware. Yeah. But Takashi Tateishi doesn't do a lot with volume fades. There's mm-hmm. a lot of hard stops on instruments, which I think gives it a very classic retro sound. I mean, you think of that last right. But here, um, Bun Bun tends to have every note it doesn't just end with a hard cut. It kind of does a fade. There's a fade. It's really it, pleasing. It just gives it a very different timbre and sound. And he also experiments with um, the tremolo effect, which is something that I don't know that we've talked about very much on this podcast. In addition hmm. to vibrato control, another thing you're able to control with the squares on the NES is tremolo, which basically allows, instead of vibrato where it goes, uh, right. here it goes, uh, it's volume it's, it's yeah. basically yeah it, the volume is growing and expanding 
expanding at a really fast controllable rate so in that final section where you have that kind of arpeggiated line that sounds spacey and atmospheric it's using mm-hmm. uh, that tremolo effect and i think to great use it almost makes it sound like uh more channels than there are well i'm so curious about like what was the discussion during the development of this game as far as the the director and the designers of what they wanted from the music because the music is so different from from Mega Man 1 and 2 and it almost felt like they were purposely wanting to go in a different direction. I know that actually Harumi Fujita started the project. I believe she got pregnant and had to leave and that's when Bun Bun came in. And when you listen to her compositions, I think she composed maybe three tracks. They're all very experimental and very different from Mega Man 1 and 2. And so there seems to be during the development of this game, a decision to, to go in a different direction. Um, and I think in some ways that is, for me personally, a little bit disappointing because I think the direction that was established in Mega Man 1 and 2 uh, is is more in line with what I really respond to in video game music. Um, but yeah, there's definitely uh, a lot to love about the sounds of Mega Man 3. Anything you want to add to that, Ivan, about your personal experiences with this game? No, not really. I just uh, have always responded to it. I... I think it's one of the one of the pieces from Mega Man 3 that really stuck out and really the whole soundtrack for me was uh, a lot of classics so yeah it has that what I what I consider that bun bun rhythm the uses that a lot it's super groovy okay let's move to another classic Capcom NES soundtrack man it's it's a heavy NES episode so far and I'm totally fine with that uh okay so this is ducktales and ivan brought in the moon you know just just shooting for for the moon here as far as classic video game music <laughs> this is composed uh actually by hiroshigi tanamura there was many years when it was falsely credited to another composer uh so yeah let's let's take a listen to this classic this is the moon from ducktales listening to the moon from DuckTales for the NES classic Capcom soundtrack by Hiroshigi Tonomura who is definitely um, a lesser known name in the Capcom sound department I think there's a couple other titles that uh, Tonomura worked on there's one that I that I played a few years ago that kind of had a lot of the same implementation choices and some of the same harmonies 
of DuckTales. Um, and so, yeah, this composer had a very singular sound and style. I actually have heard some things over the years of some people that weren't a fan of this track. I think mm. the things that I heard were that, oh, it doesn't sound like the moon, like I was expecting something more spacey. Whoa, but I completely for me, for, for, disagree. Yeah, for, for an NES game, uh, you have to remember that it's like everything is, is kind of over the top and cartoony. And I can't imagine, I mean, just separating it from the experience, this is definitely the best piece of music in the game. It's just a wonderful composition. Honestly, if this was in Mega Man 2, it might be the best piece. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's kind of Mega Man-y. It's so good. And I, also, the other thing, I, I think it perfectly captures the moon, because that opening section where you just get the arpeggio is actually in 15-8. Um, it's something that you might not notice when you're listening to it because when the drums come right. in, you know, it just feels like rocking 4-4. Four, four. But there's actually an added uh, eighth note in the original arpeggio. It goes... Right. So it comes so quick that you don't even notice uneven. it. It's yeah. slightly And so then when the bass comes in and everything, it almost feels like floating. And it's like a little bit, you know, anti-gravity. I think that's yeah. so cool. But then, it, you know, the drums and the groove has to come in. And I think that, to me, is almost the sound of DuckTales, where you get a little bit right. of the atmosphere of the location, but then it just wants to be about having some fun. And I love that about this track. I don't think we need to defend this track. I mean, I think most people, uh, you know, understand it, its brilliance. So, yeah, Ivan, talk to us a little bit about your experience maybe playing this game. So I chose this one in, in no small part because of the what you were talking about, but I also chose it because this was a game that really brings me back to my childhood, playing it with my sister. Okay. And my sister and I didn't mm. always get along. Um, I'm sure that you and uh, you two can attest to the nature <laughs> of sibling relationships. For sure. uh, but we, we could always sit down and play this game and well, we would go great. back and forth. You know, I would play Amazon, she would play Transylvania or whatnot, but she didn't like playing this moon level. So okay. she always asked me to play this. So it became stuck in my memory as, you know, good childhood memories playing a game with my sister, this track. That's very sweet. I, I, I love those memories. You know, that that's actually something... I was fairly close to my, to my sister growing up, um, but we, we definitely argued. We had our, our times when we, we were kind of fighting like cats and dogs. But yeah, I also had some good memories of playing video games together. I remember playing some racing games, and, and she never really played games for the most part. Yeah. So whenever I asked her to play uh, racing games, I remember I always got a kick out of how kind of wild she got. Like she would scream and like she would actually like move her whole body to the right and left right, right. Uh, and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's a lot of good memories related to that. All right, so we are going to move on to the Super Nintendo. So I can only imagine that this was the next system you had growing up. Oddly enough, no, I, I oh. did not own. I did not have the Super Nintendo until I moved in with my girlfriend, future wife. She had it from her childhood. Okay. And that's that's when I started getting exposed to some of the classic games and classic soundtracks from that era. That's awesome. Well, we're starting off with a heavy hitter. This is Donkey Kong Country. Again, we're just sticking with nothing but classics so far on this playlist. I love it. Let's take a listen to Aquatic Ambiance, composed by the wonderful David Wise.
you guys are listening to Aquatic Ambiance from DKC, composed by David Wise. Such a magical piece of music. Um, it just means so much to uh, the video game music community. And I remember talking to Dave, and we've talked to Dave a few times. We've been fortunate enough to. And I remember talking about uh, this particular piece of music and, and how we stumbled upon it. Uh, you would think when you listen to it that it was this really monumental moment where he came up with this, but really, from what he said, this was just another track that he worked on. I mean, I don't think while working on this game, he th- he ever thought that the game and the soundtrack would have lived on and been as kind of legendary as it turned out to be. Uh, it, he just kind of stumbled into it and, and got and got working, and this was just one of the things that he landed on. But everything about it is so advanced for the time. It really kind of stretches out, and it's very vibey. It takes about a minute before the main melody comes in. And it's this great wise technique where he he lays this foundation of these synths and these pads that are really reverberant and lush. And then when the melody comes in, he's he's probably taking away... I haven't studied the SPC, but he's probably taking away some of those elements. But you can't really tell because new elements are being brought in. And so it's this very dynamic and expressive use of really, I think, just like six sound channels. It's, wow, it's really impressive. Well, and it's so damn serious, this music. I think that's one of the great things about David Wise. It's not just that this music is beautiful, but it's video game music in a time where you know, even gamers wouldn't necessarily take the music all that seriously. Right. And especially for a game called Donkey Kong Country that <laughs> is so irreverent and from this goofy British studio that's known for injecting a lot of humor into their games. The fact yeah. that the music plays it so serious uh, is one of my favorite things about it. And I think it makes the um, SNES Donkey Kong games like probably my favorite my favorite series ever that rare ever made because there's this level of authenticity to it. I mean, these really feel like games that could have been made by Nintendo. Well, and we've been talking today about our experiences as kids playing these games. And I definitely can attest to when I would get to these water stages, there was something so beautiful and serene about the music that it really made me feel like I was underwater and I just felt so moved by it. And it was silly coming from a Donkey Kong Country game because these are very lighthearted games. But yeah, David really went all in uh, for, for this music. And this isn't the only track that he really took seriously. Uh, so yeah, Ivan, can you talk a little bit with your experience? Uh, do you remember maybe the first time you played this game or heard this music? No, I don't really remember the first time that I that I heard this music. But what I do, what I can say is each time I played it, each time I went back to the game, got to this level, it just was so relaxing. And yeah. in a frustrating game like Donkey Kong, again, another challenging game, mm-hmm. it just helped put you at ease. It was almost meditative. It was absolutely one was. of my favorite tracks. So good. Okay, now we're going to move on to something a lot more high energy. This is Mega Man X, the start of this sub-series. And there were so many composers that worked on this first game. And what's really curious to me is that the second game, Mega Man X2, for whatever reason, uh, they actually just went with one composer. So I don't know if it was a too many cooks in the kitchen situation, but we have so many. We have Setsuo Yamamoto, Makaro Tamozawa, Yuki Iwai, Yuko Takahara, and Toshihiko Horiyama were all the composers, I believe, that worked on Mega Man X. This is an absolute classic track. For me, it kind of carries the torch of what was established in the 8-bit Mega Man games and bringing it into 
the next generation. Uh, when I think of the Mega Man sound, harmonized rocking guitars, this is one of the main things I think of. Let's take a listen to Spark Mandrill Stage. <laughs> Rock on. This is Spark Mandrill stage from Mega Man X. Probably my favorite piece of music from Mega Man X, personally. Uh, I know I've said this before, but I, I always prefer Mega Man X 2 as an overall soundtrack. I know it's not as rocking, but I just think there's uh, really strong melodies across that score, a little bit more consistently. Uh, but this is this is so fun to hear. Coming from the 8-bit world, this had to have been so exciting to kind of hear the full promise of this rocking Capcom sound. and. Yeah, I think th- this track it would have been like almost like a good proof of concept of like how you can take uh, you know some of the musical and rhythmic elements of what Takashi Tateishi maybe established, um, but bringing it into new generation with you know better instruments and instruments that can more closely approximate a rock band. It's just oh, it's such a rush. So so what are your what are your experiences with this game? Wh- why did you bring in this particular track? I brought in this track for a particular reason. I had never heard it before. I didn't grow wow. up with it, even with my wife didn't have it, had no clue it existed. And then I heard it on this podcast. Oh, and that's great. And absolutely loved it. And it was, it was an example of what I come to this podcast for, not just great music, but to learn about more great music I had no idea existed. That's really wonderful to hear, Ivan. Thanks so yeah, thanks so much. I mean, that that's definitely one of the things that we always uh, strive for is trying to share, and we get so excited, particularly on episodes like uh, Show and Tells, where we're really excited to share wonderful music that, for whatever reason, some people might might not have grown up with. So that's really wonderful to hear. Will, what are your thoughts? I know that we've we've always kind of every once in a while we go back to to this Mega Man X soundtrack. What are your thoughts right now, uh, listening to a track like this? Man, yeah, I really love this track. I think it has a fantastic melody. One of my favorite parts is... I love that. There's elements in there from almost every Mega Man NES game, I think, in this track. And the the sound of the guitars in Mega Man X kind of remind me of that chorus effect that we were mentioning in Mm -hmm. the first Ninja Gaiden. Um, Yeah, that's true. Kind of out of tune a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Man, that's really this cool. Is such a great melody and very quintessential. This might be my favorite track from Mega Man X. So good. So it looks like now on the playlist, we're jumping ahead uh, to future generations, and we have a couple of GameCube games. Uh, did you have a GameCube? Yes, I I did pick back up with video games at the GameCube. I had skipped, uh, as I said, the SNES, and I skipped the 64 as well. 
So this was my reintroduction to video games. Very awesome. We're going to start off with, it looks like a couple of tracks from Zelda The Wind Waker. And this first piece of music was composed by Kenta Nagata, amazing Nintendo composer. Let's take a listen to Dragon Roost Island. wonderful melody you guys are listening to dragon roost island which really has become an absolute iconic classic zelda theme in the whole series there was a really amazing moment when it was hearkened to really beautiful powerful moment when it was hearkened to in breath of the wild Uh, i remember uh will showing me that uh the first night i think or maybe one of the first times he was playing the game back back before i had a switch and then eventually i (laughs) I experienced this game as well. This is composed by Kenta Nagata. So, uh, yeah, Ivan, talk a little bit about maybe your experience with this soundtrack. This has to be my favorite soundtrack of the era. The Wind Waker soundtrack is why I picked a, a couple of pieces from it. Mm-hmm. It, just, it was hard to narrow things down. In fact, I had to, unfortunately, axe the exposition theme. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to include that. Believe it or not, my kids wanted me to sing it one day for them. <laughs> and so I did, and then it became a tradition. It became actually a lullaby, if you can believe that. It, That's so sweet. It night after night, it really stood out to me, made it very special in that way. Oh, that is so special. But uh, very much so. It's going to be a lifelong treasured memory for sure. This is the power of video game music, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, especially, mm. you know, Zelda. It really, it is kind of like this. You know, when the first game was called Legend of Zelda, it was trying to put you in this fantasy world. But now those games have been around for so many decades. There <laughs> yeah. are kind of stories and nostalgia and treasured memories um, that have become real and almost are kind of legends among families and friends. Yeah. And I just love the idea of this multi-generational, um, power of music of, of one, you know, whether it's a parent passing it down to their kids, maybe it's Mm. coming off the heels of last night watching Coco. Um, but I'm just, (laughs) I'm just really moved by that idea of kind of passing things down generationally. And yeah, the power of music just, um, cannot be overstated okay we're going to move on to a very interesting choice now if i was going to bring in two tracks from wind waker 
I would definitely would not have chosen this the second track. So I'm really <laughs> curious to hear why you brought this in. I don't know if we've played it before. We did have a Wind Waker episode, but I can't recall if we played this Mulgara piece of music. So this one, again, ties back to my kids. I play the soundtrack in the car, mm-hmm. and they started to sing along with this. Oh. And then it became a running thing. They would want to do it again and again. They'd start assigning parts. You know, Daddy, you do the... You know, oh my god i'll sing the is... melody <laughs> your kids so, are amazing <laughs> thank you I, they'll love to hear you say that but, uh, oh that this, is so cool the other reason i chose this track was again i found the boss so frustrating yeah but this music made me look forward to it anyway all right let's take a listen to mulgara which was composed by hajime wakai here we go You guys are listening to Mulgara from Zelda the Wind Waker, and it's so clear this is a Wakai composition. Actually, it reminds me a lot of his work on Star Fox 64. Something like Star Wolf actually comes to mind listening to this. Uh, really quirky and unique combination of different sounds, um, different kind of musical elements coming together. You know, all on, all on top of that really fun and kind of silly groove, which I always thought was actually Wakai, uh, maybe sampling his voice in this, so I'm not sure who, who, whose voice that is, but yeah, talk a little bit more about maybe your experiences with um, with this music. So this music was another example for me of, even though I was, in terms of the game, really frustrated, you know, occasionally even upset, I would still look forward to this boss, because hmm. for some reason the, the music just resonated with me, that chicka chicka groove the yeah the flute melody i i just enjoyed it so good piece and what's so weird is the melody feels kind of classic nintendo classic zelda but the presentation here um is just very jarring and dissonant and kind of puts you on edge so it's interesting how you can take a melody that if you presented this in a different way this this could be just a really swashbuckling uh, more positive feeling melody, so it's it's interesting that that juxtaposition I think is is pretty effective. Will, what are your thoughts on? I don't know if we've talked about this track before, Mulgara. It's definitely one that I've always noticed whenever I play Wind Waker, and something that I love about it is just that yeah, for this boss theme to have such a simple, really I think Zelda like uh, kind of folky melody, I think is so great, and it's 
completely unlike any other boss theme for the series and i think that's one of the cool things that helps it stand out Mm -hmm. it almost reminds me of a kind of thing that i could imagine koji kondo doing uh there's actually uh this boss theme that he wrote for odyssey it's called like the robo brood battle that's really cool and it has this um really awesome Japanese folk percussion in it that has a similar groove to this and it's sort mm-hmm. of slow building opening um, but yeah it just it feels so Zelda in a way even though it's so singular I really love this piece well let's move on to another GameCube title this is Luigi's Mansion uh, I remember when this when this was launched with the GameCube uh, personally feeling kind of disappointed I know there was a little controversy at the time because it was like oh the first system that didn't launch with the Mario game Uh, And not only was it a Luigi game, but such a different style game than your typical Mario adventures. So um, I think this this is one of those kind of games that over the years has become more of this beloved cult classic. At the time, at least from my experience, I don't remember a lot of people like raving about this game. Uh, It wasn't until years later that I started to to hear more love for it. So so yeah, very interesting. Composed by Kazumi Tataka. I think Shinobu Tanaka also worked on the score. This is a Tataka composition. Really interesting choice. This is the training theme, which is very funky, very minimal. Let's take a listen to this from Luigi's Mansion. You know, there's a few elements of Kazumi Tataka's music that I always really respond to. Number one is he's one of the goofiest Nintendo composers, maybe the goofiest Nintendo composer. His music has such a sense of humor to it, and you can really hear that in this in this entire score. It's mm-hmm. a great example of that here. Um, but he is such a good jazzy kind of fusion style composer. Like I really think about, for example, his work on Wave Race 64. He really has a love of jazz music, and I really love hearing him kind of stretch out and do something like this, which is very groove-based, and there's kind of this spontaneous improvisational energy to this piece of music that is very different from the rest of the score and is kind of a specific side of Tataka that, personally, I don't hear enough. Um, I, I would have I would love to hear another score from him that kind of goes into this, or maybe like his Wavery 64 kind of territory i just i just really happen to enjoy it yeah i, I chose it I, I because as you were saying of its uh just really appreciating the groove appreciating the funk i actually <laughs> didn't remember it i uh, playing it and then as i was going over uh potential tracks for this podcast i came across it again and just really enjoyed it 
That's cool. Yeah, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, a training theme is definitely something that you can either probably skip or just kind of gloss over, especially in the context of the game. You know, you might hear it at the very beginning, but you're probably not going to hear it uh, very often. So that makes oh, a lot yeah. of sense. That's a cool little hidden gem. Yeah, thanks. Thanks yeah, for I'm bringing that I'm such a big fan of Kazumi Tataka. And what's interesting about a piece like this is you know, it's really probably only like five years before he would write what's now kind of some of those infamous uh, Wii channel jingles, like the Wii Shop channel and the Mii channel, which are kind of like getting this interesting second life. There's all these kind of Mm -hmm. like internet videos and goofs that are kind of like sending up that music. I just watched this video of uh, like <laughs> a high school like wind band like a concert band kind of like pulling a prank on their conductor and their conductor goes to count off a piece and they just start playing and somehow they got this like whole arrangement of that piece and it makes me really happy because I'm such a big fan of Kazumi Tataka and I love yeah. that that music gets to sort of live on and be a part of pop culture god so good but i think he would love that carl because like as you were saying he's like the goofiest composer he yeah. almost kind of likes pranking people he hides his little mm-hmm. kazumi or he hides his little Tataka's Tataka song, song yeah. in every game he works on all right let's move on to an oc remix uh we're actually going back to the music of Mega Man 3 here this is called gemini salsa and it is from uh, OC Remix artist, uh, I don't even know how I would say this, McVaff. It's M-K-V-A-F-F. Uh, let's take a listen to this OC Remix. interesting choice to turn this into a piece of latin music you guys are listening to the gemini salsa oc remix originally music composed uh by bun bun for Mega Man 3 this is by oc remix artist uh mick vaff mkvaff so it looks like we're, we're approaching the end of the playlist today and we have a little chunk here of video game remixes starting things off with uh an oc remix so when did you start discovering uh video game remixes and the oc remix community and, and all this kind of stuff i can uh, give you guys the credit for that again which was one of the reasons <laughs> i wanted to pick it I, oh cool i had no idea remixes existed i, I really have led a sheltered internet life as well <laughs> but i i just dove into it once I was introduced to it by you guys and this is one that I find myself coming back to again and again 
relatively cool. simple idea, but just mm-hmm. so effective. Yeah, it's a. I actually really enjoy this. I've never heard this particular remix before, uh, before you brought it in, and um, I think it was a really good choice. It kind of gives this riff and and that that melody like a really interesting. It takes it in a direction that I personally wouldn't have expected, but I think it works really well. Well, well it totally works for it. Totally works for this theme, and it kind of brings out I think a really appealing element in the harmony and the melody mm-hmm. that I wouldn't necessarily necessarily have noticed or paid much mind to in its original presentation. This is one of the great things that remixes can do is kind of like look past the clothes, I guess you could say, of, you know, in a retro game track. And even though that was maybe going for something a little bit more rocking, uh, you find that like, oh, the actual musical ideas themselves, when you look at it, maybe they kind of sound better in a slightly different genre for sure that's definitely the case here i mean i think these harmonies sound really kind of organic in a salsa piece especially in the yeah Yeah, like just those kind of harmonies it's really tasteful really authentic uh good remix okay so now we're going to move on to an artist that i personally think does not get enough praise some of the most polished, just classy video game remixes I've ever heard. There's two albums that I'm familiar with. I have, I've had them both for many years, probably even before we've started the podcast. This is Retro Remix Review, and they have Volume 1 and Volume 2. They're available on iTunes if you guys are interested. And I don't know if they're still active. I, don't, I can't think of other albums that they've done. Maybe I'm just a little bit out of the loop. But yeah, these, both these albums are just incredible. Uh, let's play a track that Ivan brought in from the second volume. And this is from Mario Paint. This is Nat Attack Level 1. Here we go. <laughs> You guys are listening to Nat Attack Level 1. This is originally from Mario Paint. And this is by the artist Retro Remix Review, which is, I think, a collection of different uh, producers and composers and uh, performers. I, I think almost every track on this album has a totally different combination. There's, like, jazz combos, there's brass, there's, uh, you know, solo piano. So, yeah, it's just really all across the board. This is so good. So, yeah, Ivan, what, what struck you about this remix? So this album is one of my favorite uh, remix albums, one of my favorite albums, period. 
was something that I discovered via iTunes. You know, you may also like that feature. And yeah. absolutely fell in love with it. And this track I, I brought in, I, one reason was, it was an example for me of the original music having a good idea, but sounding poor, yeah. you know, poor implementation, or, or however you would put it. But when you bring it to life, you know, when you give it you know, live instruments, saxophone, piano, string bass, and all that, just becomes this amazing piece of music. This could give Cuphead a run for its money. <laughs> it mm. really reminds me of the tone that that game established. Yeah, very this is so good. Another example of kind of the fun, playful side of Kazumi Tataka, who also worked on the Mario Paint score. Let's now move on to a metal medley of Double Dragon music. This is by artist Vomitron. And this is from an album called No NES for the Wicked or No Ness for the Wicked. Uh, Yeah, let's take a listen. Here we go. You guys are listening to a really cool metal medley from Double Dragon Music. Uh, this is by Vomitron. And I actually really am approving of kind of all the choices <laughs> that that Vomitron uh, went with for this track. I was expecting it just from seeing the title that it was going to be nothing but rocking like guitars. But I really like the use of cheesy 80s synths because that's definitely what the original Double Dragon was going for. It's just kind of this balls to the walls over the top. 80s metal sound and so having those synths in the mix is um is really good i mean i gotta be honest this is probably some of for me this could be like the definitive presentation of some of this double dragon music it's it's really rocking really exciting i love how authentic it is and faithful to the original it's really good absolutely it's one of my favorite albums and the idea of putting the tracks together as a medley in particular i i really love listening to it in that fashion you don't have to listen to too many loops, and as mm-hmm. you're saying, the the way they pay homage to the spirit of the of the original music is just fantastic. Yeah, and we definitely have to mention that we we're not able to play anywhere near the whole thing today. So definitely, guys, check this out on your own. It's over eight minutes long, so just a taste of it for you today. Will, what do you think about this? 
This is awesome. I completely agree that this could be a definitive version. It's so good. Okay, it looks like we're moving on to the end of the playlist here. We're going to move on to one last track from Retro Remix Review. This is also uh, from the same album, which is Retro Remix Review Volume 2. Ivan brought in The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Gerudo Valley. Such an awesome remix. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Gerudo Valley. This is Retro Remix Review, and this has been a really fun playlist. And again, if anyone's not familiar with these Favorites with Friends episodes, all this music was brought in by Ivan. Uh, So thanks, Ivan, for coming on the show and sharing uh, your experiences with this game. Thanks for your support of our podcast and being such a good friend and supporter of us. Um, And it's, it's just been really fun to hear your take on this iconic and classic music. So this has been a blast. It's my pleasure, believe me. My pleasure and my privilege. So, all right, guys, uh, stick with us in the coming weeks. We have a lot of really awesome episodes coming up. We do have even some more uh, Patreon-suggested episodes coming up. We have a couple of really long overdue spotlights, so stick with us. We're having a really good time this season. Uh, Thanks to everyone for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, If you you want to get in touch with the Mercado Bros, you can always shoot us an email. Check out, head on over to supermercadobros.com. Thanks for everyone for, for sending us really thoughtful emails, whether it's suggestions about the show yeah we really appreciate topics it. uh so we always we read every email we get also our discord server is a great place to hang out and geek out about video game music so if you want to invite to that just let us know otherwise you can follow us on twitter like us on facebook uh youtube channel as well and last but not least thanks so much for all the nice itunes ratings yeah and thanks again ivan for coming on the show it's been such a blast listening to all of this fantastic game music with you thank you for having me so we're going to play out. Ivan's playout choice was uh, Smooth McGroove doing the overworld to Mario 2. All right, guys, I think that just about does it for us. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.